Hello and welcome to another episode of the USL show. Finally, 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 we have real matches to talk about, and it's not just trialists, and we can't call them trialists anymore. They have real names. We have our first matches of the USL championship season officially kicking off the official USL season with League One and League Two and W League right around the corner. Um I'm pumped. We don't have the full crew. We had uh, some people, you know, uh, Alan and Gio had some stuff to handle, but that's totally fine. You know what? That's okay. We're still going to have a party, just the four of us. Uh, Ryan, what a pretty shirt you have on. Uh, How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. This is uh, actually from Away Days. They're doing their mystery MLS uh, kits, and I made sure to at least purchase one. So I have now, I think this is my, gosh, I I think my fourth or fifth like MLS different MLS kit, but uh, yeah, it's a really great deal. And uh, Away Days is a pretty good company. Uh, not sponsored, but they are very good at what they do. Um, if he wants to sponsor, like I'm not against it. Um, granted, he has other things to worry about, like the postal service screwing him over. Um, <laughs> um, down below, him another pretty kit. Um, and not as controversial as the one that they just said now in the El Paso shirt. Phil. Hey, Kaylor. Uh, well, I wanted to uh, just, I'm just uh, <laughs> here to offer my unbiased season preview. Um, no team in particular that I'm connected with, no team that I really have an affinity towards. So just, um, yeah, just here to offer my opinions uh, to the to the USL faithful and, I can't think of any one club who's really who's really going to dominate the conversation. So, anyways, <laughs> uh, certainly won't yeah. be the Cubs yeah. with the lockout. <sighs> I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I should take this down. <laughs> Listen, we don't advertise someone who doesn't even want to play games. Come on, please. All right, and to his left, we got the tactics man himself. John, who is also in a very nice shirt, but slightly different. Yeah, rocking a sweater. But um, I do want to say I have the NASL vintage of the uh, Minnesota United kit because the one where they had like the loon silhouette on it is probably my favorite kit of all time. Like that thing was just a beauty. I Minneapolis mean, City of USL2 is kind of that spiritual successor to that kit. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a lot to get through and while my not well not my dogs but some dogs are going crazy in the other room always a good time um there's nothing those dogs love to do more than bark like they're not even that mean they just love it they love hearing their own voice much more than me and that's rich coming from me um we have some news and we said we talk about it on top of the show we have two new shows that are going to be joining the usl show network um, we have, we know that there's only so much we can talk per week, you know, hour, hour and a half from us guys, you know, we're all busy folks. So we decided we wanted to get a little extra content out there. So we have three things that are going to be coming out every single week or almost every single week. One, we have two mini live shows every week now that is going to be hosted by us. That's, that's going to be like one of us is going to be basically a short 15, 20 minute podcast of Q&A stuff talking about the match uh, just the, like the day before. If it's a Monday or if it's a Thursday, doing a little preview of the matches before 
you know, talking everything from USL to EPL to whatever's on our mind that day. And then that's the first one's going to be me on Monday. And then I think on Thursday, Phil is going to be taking over. So that's going to be a really good time. You'll see it on the same platforms on YouTube and on uh, Twitter. From there, we have another show. We have a kit show. Listen, we all know the most controversial topic in soccer is not who is the best, who is the worst, and, you know, whether my team was actually going to win the USL Cup if my keeper didn't decide to sue. Um, We all know, you know, those are not the most controversial things. Rather, who has the best shirts? Who is the most fashionable? Everybody knows that's the most controversial thing. And so we have a new kit show coming that's going to be coming out every single week where they talk about one or two USL kit show or kits um, every single week. It's going to be Brett, uh, Gio, who's on the show, Reagan, and Fox. You know, they're going to be getting, you know, the chats going. We're going to – it's going to be posted onto YouTube only, I think, at first, and maybe – uh, podcast at some point we'll just have to see but definitely youtube first and then the last thing that i'm super super excited about because i mean partially I, i'm not having to do it it's going to be content by you guys who are going to be taking over the show showing us your stadium showing us why your why your stadium and why your away day is the best away day and it's going to be it's going to be away day vlogs and it's going to be stuff created by supporters that's going to be hosted on our channel that you just show us why why your city is so special and why the match because we generally try to pick the biggest match of the weekend um so it should be electric stuff i'm excited to see the creativity of the usl community and i'm super excited just to see some of these pretty places that i've never had a chance to go i mean the first one is going to be colorado springs versus uh orange county spoiler we're talking about them in depth later um and i'm really excited i've heard rumors that we're going to be getting drone footage for that vlog so check that out uh sub to the youtube channel if you haven't already um lots of fun news new season new usl show we have all the things happening and I'm sure at some point I'll get behind and it'll all go wayside. That's why I have the, you know, five other guys on the show to keep me in check. <laughs> so, fellas, anybody in any order, what, I mean, the USL is here. We're finally back. What, uh, what's some storylines that we are really paying attention to going into match number one? Well, not to stay too close to home with this, but I think in terms of if you're trying to highlight like a big game of the weekend, uh, that El Paso Sacramento game is really a big one on the schedule. Yeah, I was I was gonna say the uh, yeah El Paso starting out obviously with a with a new a new era, new manager John Hutchinson, like trying to impose a style quickly preseason has been kind of all over the place from a results perspective but there's been a lot of reportedly you know promising promising performances and um they got they got they played a, a reportedly really solid uh i'd say half against new england revolution um before you know academy kids and things got involved so it'll be really interesting to see how el paso come out of the out of the blocks uh with 
a lot of new pieces in the roster, a lot of new, a, a brand new philosophy going from the Mark Lowry possession based, lots of, lots of methodical buildup play, that sort of um, pres- more precise uh, sort of, sort of uh, offensive approach versus John Hutchinson, which is a full throttle, like counter pressing high intensity. Um, yeah. So really interested to see how that goes but on the flip side too with sac republic they've made a lot of really really good signings and i know john you were you were highlighting a few but even one that is big on el paso fans minds is nick ross going to sac republic so um yeah i sac republic is a is a stern test for for el paso early and we'll uh we'll certainly get a good it'll be a nice little barometer i think of where both both squads are at early in their new new eras so, like, there is just, I mean, yeah, there's a lot going on here. And I got a little bit, and, I'm, and I'll am and i just throw it out there, uh, Harry, you know, slid into my DMs because I had my uh, Eastern Conference predictions, you know, hashtag ad, uh, self-promotion. Uh, um, I went through and just predicted every single match of the entire USL East. And Harry was like, hey, Mike Lowry is legit. He's a real deal coach. Don't sleep on Indy. And, John, maybe because you're kind of a homer, but also you kind of have, you know, you have the tactics brain. You have the numbers to back it up. I think Mike Lowry is a phenomenal coach, but this is not a good squad. I have them finishing tied for eighth. I had them tied in points with Detroit City. And I felt like, I gave them more points because Mike Lowry was the coach. I mean, they have Neville Hackshaw, who cannot say enough good things about him, but is there someone I'm missing? Yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> numerically they're projected eighth in the conference by my numbers, very close to Memphis. Mark Lowry is a genius with what he does with that 442 diamond, and it fits the personnel of this team. I feel like last season's performance was something of an aberration for them because things had become so stale with that Martin Rennie regime where, let's face it, the style was built around this sort of long ball system that was predicated on having a Tyler Pasher-like star forward who can stretch any defense with pace. You lose that and suddenly you're just kind of hurtling long balls into the void when you have a Neville Hackshaw, a Carl Wilmette, players who are very technical and can build up through this possession-based kind of style, we'll talk about a manager who can activate that, right? They've brought in some guys like Meshach Jerome from El Paso. I think Stefano Pino, who career has nine goals in 11 games in Indianapolis. He just tends to tear things apart in the Midwest. Um, the... F- the roster to me is something that's going to regress back to the mean of a team that's been in playoff contention for most of their time in the USL rather than the sort of one steal year where they spent three fourths of the season with an interim manager and, and replacing that with the genius of Lowry, I think is going to be a huge deal. Yeah, it's, I mean, I agree. And that's why I have them finishing eighth or ninth, depending. Cause I've, Someone, Ryan, maybe you know, how the heck does USL do uh, ties or point ties? Is it head-to-head? Is it goal difference? 
I actually believe it, don't know. It has been updated this year, so it's now uh, head-to-head uh, points earned in regular season league games. So then it goes to goal differential and head-to-head matches. I don't know if I like that, but that's fine. Um, well, but- I, I do want to say, Kayler, I can't believe you have Detroit eighth. Something, something about Detroit, and I know the squad doesn't seem great on paper, but the one thing that I do like about Detroit that I personally rate very highly is chemistry. This is a team that knows each other very, very well. Um, and I know a lot of the teams in the USL do as well, but there's something about them coming up to the USL. They have a everybody's sleeping on us mentality, which makes them even tighter. And I mean, you can't discount their fans either, just to be honest. Um, that's just me. I mean, I'm probably extremely overrating them, but I there's just something about them. They've done it year in, year out, where they've always won, even when they weren't supposed to. And for me, it's hard to not look at that kind of pedigree and not say that they won't do it again. It's kind of like I and Homer here, but whenever somebody says Nick Saban is washed, that just means he's going to go undefeated the next season. That's just what he does, and that's how I feel about Detroit City. I think what's going to be really important for a lot of teams this year, and I saw that when looking through a lot of the schedule, is how is this first month of games going to go from about March 12th to roughly the end of April? So first month and a half, about those seven to eight games, is going to be really crucial. Like, for instance, we are looking at Indy 11. They opened the year with Loudy United, which I think is a very winnable game for Indy 11. And then they have two very tough turnarounds away against Tampa Bay and Louisville. But... I think those are the toughest tasks that they have to start their season. If you look over at Detroit City, they open the year on on the road against San Antonio, but then they turn around and have three home games against Charleston, Pittsburgh, and Memphis. I think there is a good amount of just judgment we can make throughout this first portion of the year to really gauge to see how well some of these teams are going to do with this season. I think I think Detroit is tough and like any any expansion side is tough, but Detroit specifically is tough to judge only because like we don't truly know, I think, like what the relative level is between the USL championship and NISA. That's like that's kind of the question that's about to be answered by DCFC is like, is there a gap or like a measurable gap between the quality like the quality of a top level NISA team and like a mid level or you know, playoff caliber um USL championship team? And that's I think we're about to get a bunch of data on that. I think, like you said, Ryan, though, like Detroit City's schedule is, I think it's brutal to start the season because San Antonio is about the worst away that you could ask for. And then to play that back-to-back of Charleston, you said Charleston, uh, Pittsburgh, who's a title contender, and Memphis, who's another like playoff caliber team. And like, not to mention some of the narrative around Ben Pierman returning to, to Detroit and all that sort of stuff. Like, yeah, I think, I think they're in for a stern test, but even if they open the season, zero and four, I don't know that we're necessarily going to say like, Oh, Detroit city is bad because that's a brutal start to the season. I have them uh, starting the season, the first four matches with three points. I've had them drawing the first three. And the big point of, for me is I, I'm sorry, Harry. Uh, I don't believe in San Antonio right now. I do think that they're better than Detroit City, 
but there's something about San Antonio that just not has not clicked for me in my mind yet. And I just don't believe I think that's going to end up being a draw. Um, and then they have three home matches in a row against Battery, against uh, Pitt, against 901. And let's just be honest. I mean, the Northern Guard and their Detroit City fans are always going. They're always bumping. But you know when they have a chip on their shoulder, an extra big chip on their shoulder, they're going to be in neck. They're going to be out in extra. I I think that fans alone are going to be what pushes them to draws. I do have them losing against, um, you know, against nine hundred one because I think nine hundred one's a much better side. But I think those first two matches, you're going to see what a good of a good away uh, or a good home side can do for atmosphere. You know what I mean? And they'll have their work cut out for them for their home schedule this year. If you're looking ahead to even some of their cross conference games, they have to welcome Sacramento, El Paso and New Mexico into Detroit, into Detroit this season over the course of the year. And not to mention having to travel out to Colorado Springs in this season as well. This is they were handed the short straw of the cross conference games this season. And just thinking about that first week against San Antonio from the tactical standpoint, it's pretty unique in that it couldn't be a worse matchup for their style. This Detroit San Antonio just as a tenant of their system kind of tends to sit back, draw you out, counterattack really effectively. Detroit coming into a new league, getting sucked into the opposing half, then you're facing the speed of Katuka Mane and DeShane Beckford in transition. Like, good night. This, to me, doesn't feel like it's going to be much of a matchup, but I am I believe in San Antonio at this point, and I've really come around on them from where I was at a certain point in this offseason. I just, I kind of see that as a tough one. I do think that second uh, game against Charleston, where that's a team I really have some doubts about, and I think Detroit gets off the schneid there. You know, oh, sorry, go ahead, Bill. Uh, I was just gonna say we got to remember 538's favorites or one of the favorites to win the title, San Antonio FC. Just to be, <laughs> just to be clear, um, Nick Silver come at me. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I just reading a couple of the comments. I think like. Uh, when I say judging Nisa, I mean in terms of like the top level of player quality, not in terms of anything else about the league, just to be really like clear about that. Cause there's, yeah, we could do a whole episode they about got the best pizza giveaways in the right. WSR. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's uh invest in fruit street. Um, so anyways, but yeah, so I think, I think San Antonio, San Antonio was a bad matchup for a lot of really good teams last year. And with some of the pieces they picked up this year, I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be a lot to handle for a, a expansion side finding their feet. Changing a little bit of the tune from one Midwestern team to another, Phil, you tweeted about this earlier today, but uh, Louisville will be without Cameron Lancaster for a good bit for the start of the year. Just to kind of read down their first five matches of the year, they host Atlanta United, they host the Miami FC, they travel to New York Red Bulls too. They host Indy 11 in their proximity contest, and then they travel to Birmingham, which that's that could be tr- prove to be there a are two challenging. Wins. There are two wins in there at least. There are two but... wins in there at least with the two teams. Hopeful, you would hope, 
but that could prove to be a challenging slate for those three other games. It's, uh, it's always tough when when you lose a proven goal scorer like that early on, because I feel like those are one of the things that you can kind of lean on while you're still building like more broad, like tactical familiarity is you can kind of lean on the fact that like, Hey, in those games where we're kind of like working through some of the kinks, like Lancaster can pop up with something special and without him that could, they could get off to a more of a stuttering start than maybe we would, we would think for Lucy. The thing with them, they added Wilson Harris from the Kansas City system. So underrated. In addition, in addition <laughs> to Enik Mushigalusa from the Kansas City system and Amadou Dia, who again so was with Sporting last year. So suddenly you've got three guys with that level of familiarity. You're adding that into a mix with like your Corbin Bow and Paolo Piccolo, some of the smartest players in the league. Wilson Harris and also was what top 10 in scoring two years ago, scored in every other game for Kansas city. Like obviously no one is Cameron Lancaster. He's basically the most consistent forward in the USL. I think Harris is in for a big year as sort of the backup to him. And he's going to be starting these first couple. You know, it's kind of funny though, that we're mentioning all this. Um, so if you guys didn't fill out the Google form, shame on you. Um, <laughs> But I was looking through because I had questions like who's going to win the golden boot, which it should be boots. Who's going to win the golden gloves should be gloves. And who's going to be winning the MVP. I mean, that's only one award. That makes sense. Um, but I was surprised there was not a single vote for Cameron Lancaster to win the golden boot. And this was before any of the news came out about his injury. That shocked me. Everything about that shocked me. Because, I mean, I put Kyle Murphy because I thought with a better team, he will get more distribution. But I don't know. I that Something about that just feels wrong. And now with his injury, it makes sense. Maybe, maybe everybody else knew something I didn't. But <laughs> I don't know. I think one of the concerns we've seen for uh, – uh, coming right out of the gate and we it's been mentioned in chat but that birmingham game on april 2nd begins a four-match road trip for louisville which includes a trip out west to san diego and in fact if you're looking at their games from the 23rd all the way of march all the way through the 13th of may they just have two home games in that stretch at nine and twice on two separate occasions they have to go out to los angeles to face los dos and to san diego as well it's going to be a brutal stretch of games They'll make up for it later in the year when they can finish the year with four or five home games. But it, the, the league titles aren't won here, but you can certainly really hurt your position by having these lost games at the start of the season. You know, okay, so I am going to defend my take. Here's why it should be golden boots and golden glove. You wear two gloves. You wear two boots. You don't just wear one. I know I'm from Alabama. But we wear two shoes sometimes. Come on. Like, it should be two boots. It should be two gloves because you have two of them. That's just in, that's just my Is it not opinion. referencing the my, – my counter – I understand the logic. I don't agree with it. But I think, like, <laughs> it's referring to the award where it's like you're getting one weird – I think it's the truth. Gloves, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, although I do think that if you win the golden glove, whichever 
team, whichever partnership you have for gloves should give you one singular golden glove that you wear for the next season. I think the USL should make it required that you have one singular golden glove. Um, if we have multiple, it's like, the, it's like the Premier League with the gold being uh, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. yeah. <laughs> if we have multiple golden boot winners, then you could have multiple golden boot awards. I if, mean, if people tie for goals, it's happened true. in the Premier League before they gave out three golden boot awards. Yeah, yeah there you go. Um, so I did. There was somebody that mentioned it in chat. Um, the five game road trip. And I know I'm a I know I am a homer here, but I you will be hard pressed to find a singular worst um worse um uh, schedule than this. Uh starting on May twenty seventh through uh July sixteenth, there are eight games for the Legion, seven of which are away matches, um, thanks to the world uh, games and some spring football, which will surely be shut down after a year because spring football is destined to die. And those matches are, uh, these are, you have, like I said, seven away matches, one home match, New York away, Phoenix away, 901 at home, New Mexico away, Louisville away, Atlanta away, Charleston away, Sacramento away, all in a row. Those are the eight get match stretch. That's a hard stretch if you're alternating home and away on all of them, but you're the only home match out of all those is 901. And I mean, you're playing every single contender from from the from the West. The only contender that you're really missing out of the East is uh Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay. <laughs> you're play that's when you're going to find out if your team is for real. I mean, I don't know what I my actual predictions for that was three, four, five eight points from that stretch of eight games. If we got even close to that, it's a miracle. <laughs> I think, I, I think, well, I was just going to say, like, I think, I think a lot of the teams are, they have these stretches and it happened last year. Definitely. Like, I think noticeably for a couple of teams, I think, you know, again, acknowledging that El Paso, El Paso played, basically every three days for the last, I think nine games of the season. Um, so this season, El Paso has a stretch in April where they play seven games in the month of April, including an, a U.S. open cup match. So it's just like, there's a lot of fix. There's like kind of these weird accordions of like where teams kind of get slammed with, with games all at all at once. And I do think that certain teams are going to struggle throughout the season. It's just interesting to see like when they, when those kind of tough periods come for teams. And I think so much luck and timing of like, are they, are they fit to face that? Are they, you know, are they in good form? Cause really like sometimes when the games are one after the other, some teams like manage those actually better than when they have full rest and have more time to kind of overthink it. And when they're in a good rhythm and in a good, in a good moment, I guess, like of the team, sometimes teams can navigate those a little bit easier. So, um, yeah, I think I think it balances out over the course of the season, but there are some like absolutely brutal stretches in here for some of these teams that'll be really interesting to see how they how they deal with it. 
And looking back through the 2021, just to pick three teams out of thin air for Louisville, Tampa Bay, and Phoenix, it was during the stretch of games between their 11th game of the year and the 20th game of the year that each team had a stretch of games where they went three games without winning. So it's susceptible to even the best teams within the league that you're going to struggle over the course of a 34-game season. Uh, So... We have we talked a little bit about predictions, but let's really get into it. And first, I think, and we talked a little bit about it with my glove versus gloves and boots and whatever. But I'm going to put the pressure on you, the person that filled this out, a uh, person at home. Um, I want to talk about some of these results that really interested me. Um, the overwhelming uh, response to who was going to win the Golden Glove was uh, Kyle Morton. Very up and away, uh, the clear favorite uh, to win the Golden Glove. Um, I would like to point out to whomever the person was that said Evan Loro, um, unless you know something that I don't, I have some rough news for you, pal. (laughs) I mean, my pick was Kyle Morton. I think he's a fantastic keeper, and that Louisville defense looks to be legit. Is there anybody else that really sticks out to you guys as someone who's a, a real candidate who you think is going to win it besides Kyle Morton? Yeah, you got the plug-in for your uh, Eastern Conference preview, so I'll go ahead and plug my big old entire USL preview also. But um, in there, I picked Connor Sparrow from Miami. Mm. I think system, well, first and foremost, I think he's an excellent goalkeeper what's unique about him at this level, you don't see a ton of sweeper keepers, but that's really an ability that he has. And he does it very, very well. Given the Anthony Poulos system that tends to have a higher line that tries to compress the pitch, that's a team that's going to naturally allow some chances in behind. So pairing that tendency with his skill set and what he brings to the table as someone who can stop anything on his own line. In addition to that sweeping skill, He's a player that I think could really pop. Okay. Anybody else have any shouts for Golden Glove? I mean, I biasly, I think, and this is more of a just kind of talking to myself, I guess, at this point. Um, and John kind of briefly mentioned this about re- retaining or returning to the means, regressing to the means. You know, MVO was already the oldest keeper in the league last year, and he's going to be like 36 this year. And he played out of his absolute mind, arguably the best season of his career. I don't think he's going to repeat that this year, but there were a few shouts for him in this uh, Google form as well that did not come from Legion fans, actually. I I checked Um, the MVO winning Golden Glove, which I thought was an interesting shout. But On the uh, topic of regression to the mean, Two players who were really down last year, Joe Kuzminski in uh, Charleston and then Sean Lewis in Tulsa, who have put up really good numbers in the past, both had down seasons. Like I said, I don't think either of them are golden boot winners, but I think especially with the Tulsa situation with Sean Lewis, where um, I've talked to their GM a little bit, they really were focusing on trying to improve their center back core. They felt like the big issue they had was just allowing terrible chances from the mistakes that left someone like Lewis, who's a really a shot stopper, completely out to dry. So I think 
some of that regression to the mean in the positive direction is something to look out for as well. Is it still, is it still, uh, what average goals against? Is that the, is that the stat that they've used for golden glove? Cause it's so. not, it's not clean sheets. No, right. I think it is average. Okay. Cause I think, I think that matters. That matters too, just in terms of, and I think so much of, so much of like a golden glove keeper is is built by the the defense around them like in so many ways because if like allowing goals is is not just down to the keeper let's be real and and like john is referring to like quality of shots matters so right, much so right. if a team's not allowing good quality shots then a keeper is going to look amazing um and yeah so i think i think a lot a lot of these like predictions you could say like hey this is a really great keeper but if the if the back four or you know if their defensive setup isn't isn't taking care of them or protecting them in any ways then they're not going to win the golden glove i mean you can kind of see that two places a you're talking about center back at i'm going to pronounce his name wrong because i'm really bad at french but bourgeois the um center back for tulsa i think i read that he got injured actually like he's out for a little bit, um, which is not great if you're Sean Lewis, which I highly rate Sean well, he's Lewis. Gonna, he typically is playing right back for them, given is that he? Matt Sheldon is gone. It'll be Ronald Rodriguez, who he's a Salvadoran international. He's going to be really good. Uh, Johnny Fenwick coming back. There's another name I'm blanking on. But um, just in the conversations I've had, they're feeling very good about their defensive core right now. The other one to discuss and talking about quality of shots versus what they're letting in is Tampa's um, new keeper, which from what I've heard, they still have not decided between CJ Cochran and a Rosa Reina, the only a Rosa Reina with a job right now. Um, but um, I, as many MLB jokes I can get in there, I'm definitely going to do it. Um, but I mean, CJ Cochran, if you didn't if you didn't watch him and you looked at the score lines, you thought he was bad. But if you look at that energy team, I know John rated uh, that defensive system really highly, but they were leaky, leaky, and he bailed them out so many times last year. I mean, anybody that can get a clean sheet at Taft, more power to you. No one can read that freaking ball. If that ball hits the ground, it's going to go top corner every time. <laughs> <laughs> and what Cochran, was actually, I'm just checking. Cochran was below water on goal saved above the uh, expectation, surprisingly. I wouldn't really, really guess that. Yeah. And what mm, was interesting but, amongst yeah. those, uh, uh, Cochran is among three players with who earned a uh, within top three of clean sheets last year who changed teams over this past uh, off-season, Cedric Cochran going from Oklahoma City to Tampa Bay. You have Jeff Caldwell going to Colorado Springs from Hartford, and Danny Vitalio going from Pittsburgh to Sacramento. So uh, possibly that adjustment going from your teams, but all still kind of staying around like very top-level USL clubs, OKC notwithstanding. And it's still very good to see these players compete for Golden Gloves. So going to Golden Boot, and we're going to talk about uh, who's going to who's going to hoist the cup, and who's going to have the shield, and who's going to have a nice wooden utensil at the end of the season. But let's talk about who's going to get the Golden Boot, and the overwhelming, 
overwhelming answer to this was Kyle Murphy. I mean, Audrey Berry was not even close um, in these polls. And again, most of them, there was a good bit of uh, Colorado Springs people who answered this. And there was still a lot of Kyle Murphy. The one thing about Kyle Murphy winning the Golden Boot that I'm a little hesitant of, even though he has a better team around him and he might get better service, I think the team is better around him, and that's going to pull away from his goal scoring because other people are going to score goals, unlike in Memphis where he was kind of the guy and that was their only option, much like Nico Brett in Birmingham. I I feel like that might be why people are shying away from picking Haji Berry because they're potentially thinking that that's a well a more well-rounded attack uh like definitely a lot more options in terms of goal scoring but but I don't know I like my money's on him because he set a record last year and he I mean he cantered to a record like let's be real he didn't even it wasn't even just like oh he had to score you know the last 10 games of the season he he was on 24 or whatever it was for how long before he actually got the record um and uh yeah, the reality is with, you know, Mitchie and Galena coming back and and with Elvis Amo, like some of the like weapons they've added up top, I think and even even pieces like Maka King, like playing in fullback, like who can provide service into the box. I think I think Haji Berry is going to feast again this year. You can't ever look, Sorry, go ahead. And, go ahead, go ahead, you can't go ahead. overlook uh, Sebastian Guinzotti out of Tampa Bay as well. Another very strong talent who's going to lead a Rowdy's team on front line going forward. And sure. And they brought in Jake LaCava, who's an excellent passer and he's got a lot of gravity on his own. Jake Armand, who for me is one of the better creators from that wing back spot in the league. He's got a really good shout. I would lean Barry as well, just because I think of the return of Galena and some of those other forwards they've got. Um, we didn't mention Ken Lindley in the number 10 spot. He's a really great passer. He, I mean, really Phil hit it on the head. He coasted to the golden boot last season and he's got an even better offense around him. Like anything can happen with this one because I think that the variance in how you're finishing has such an effect, but he's the pick for me. Um, you know, you mentioned a guy, um, LaCava, uh, who's now in Tampa Bay. And this is something that we're going to, I would love to talk about. And I talked about this um, in an upcoming show I had um, that's coming out later, but it's basically this Tampa Bay team is going to be really different because their defense is still going to be good, but there is no amount of people that you can fit into a forest lasso size hole. I, and he is in my pick as of now, you're going to be hard pressed to find me, a better USL player in the history. I get Drogba existed, but I'm talking about USL like career, full career. He is just miles and above anybody else who has played in this league for an extended period of time. And he's gone off to Sweden, but something that their backline has fallen off. And whenever their backline wasn't great, Tampa Bay really resorted to the press and LaCava coming from a baby bull system where all the, all the RBs do is know how to press the crap out of somebody. If Tampa Bay goes back to pressing and really putting a lot of pressure, LaCava might end up becoming the MVP of that Tampa Bay team. 
Well, the issue for Lacava is getting a game ahead of Leo Fernandez and Jan Ekra and Steven Dos Santos. They're ridiculously stacked. I will say on the Tampa back line, everyone is sleeping on Timmy Mel coming in from Loudon. And they also, um, not at liberty to say, but they've got an MLS signing coming in who's going to be impressing some people is with the name. The, so, no, is this a Nash- the Nashville? Um, Possibly. But uh, yeah, I think they're good. They're, for me, at least just to focus on Mel for the minute, what he did with Loudon was so impressive because stylistically, this, as you, I think it's a commonality really amongst a lot of the MLS2 teams where their best route to success is pressing the crap out of you, trying to play the most direct, offensively tilted game possible. So Timmy Mel was playing on the back foot for 90 minutes recovery defense holding things down in the center of a back three which is at least at the moment what he's going to be tasked with doing he's certainly not forest lasso no one in this league has the profile and experience of a forest lasso i think he's about as good as a replacement as you could have got and someone with a lot of upside given his age so going into mvp this is where i wanted to kind of land because you kind of assume the goal scorer would be the highest vote for MVP. And so with the major response of Kyle Morton or not Kyle Martin, yikes, uh, Kyle Murphy, the other Kyle uh, being the golden boot winner for everybody. um, The overwhelming answer for MVP. And again, by a long shot was Santi Moir. And there was only two Phoenix players or Phoenix fans who filled out this form. And Santi Mawar was by and large the overwhelming majority uh, favorite. So uh, thoughts on that, fellas? I think it'll be – Yeah, go ahead. I was saying it's always been a – it depends on how that season goes for or a player. Like uh, last year, we saw Haji Berry, who was a Golden Boot winner, win the MVP as well. Oh, but if you have that absolute playmaker, like the talent Santi Mara can absolutely produce, then you could obviously see the MVP conversation switch. There were legitimate shouts in 2020 for Forrest Lasso to get the MVP award from a defensive back line. So I think it's really tough to pinpoint who's going to be an MVP performance within this league unlike it is for a golden boot or a golden glove that there are just so many factors and so many different things that could have an impact on a team's season yeah more i will just to circle back to that was my pick for the mvp because i think that there is going to be an adjustment fe- uh, period for this phoenix side you've got a couple new forwards with rapetto greg hurst uh richmond Antwi. i don't know if you'll get a ton of time and then Epps coming in on the right side. Like, Epps is going to be dynamite. He's not Solomon Asante, but, I mean, he's pretty damn close if you're trying to approximate him within the USL framework. So I think a lot of the load in that front three is going to fall on Moar in these early days. With the extra burst of offense you're getting at the left back spot on the overlap, with the full season of Arturo Rodriguez really coming into his own, I think he's going to have a lot of space on that side to kind of do his thing, cut in with that amazing right-footed shot and really wreak some havoc for the rising early in the season. You got some, Phil? 
I well, so I I mean I I totally see where a player like Santi Moar could could like get into the conversation because when you're talking about goal contributions, he's someone who provides goals and assists. So when you're talking, you know, when you're looking at like, oh, is the goal scorer going to automatically be that guy? Like for Phoenix, Moar could totally be in that conversation with the um, with the amount uh, he contributes to their like offensive production. Um, and I think he'll be totally central to anything they do this year, not positionally, but in terms of his, in terms of his impact. Um, and I think similarly, when I was thinking about, you know, and again, this is a little bit of a Homer aspect, but I think one of, one of the biggest retentions this off season, and one that I don't think, I think we've by now kind of taken for granted because it was announced a long time ago, but is Diego Luna staying in El Paso. Um, and he's a year older, a year wiser, and he had a pretty significant impact when I think, you know, the overwhelming thought when he was joining from Barca residency Academy is like, okay, I'm sure he'll get some minutes and he'll get some like valuable experience. And he was one of the best players in El Paso on a good team last year. And I think in this system, giving the, given the freedom, um, from John Hutchinson in an attacking system where it, it's going to value creativity. It's going to value high pressure, winning the ball high up the field. And I think he's going to be pretty much in the mix, getting a lot of the ball. Um, and so in terms of contributing goals and assists, I think he's going to be up there on the charts this season. Um, Cause he was, he was already starting that last year um, and his, some of his directness is finishing. And then, and his, his ability to spot a pass as well is just like, uh, very high on my list. And I think this probably is his last season in USL, if I had to guess. So I think he goes out with a bang. Um, and potentially, if El Paso has a good season, then I think Luna's in the MVP conversation. So there was a brief comment in here about early preseason thoughts on Monterey Bay. Um, the fans um, are not too high on them getting a sizable vote not the leaders i'll give them that but sizable vote for that oh so coveted wooden utensil that you use in the kitchen um i don't think they're going to be that bad but they they're not going to stoop as low as las vegas lights although i will say uh decal canine and uh, cal jennings for the lights will be the two shining stars for las vegas and the rest of the team yeah um, but Monterey Bay, I mean, they have a pretty good defense, um, that I, that I and John's done the video on, uh, hashtag ad. Um, and I, I don't think they're going to personally be great. I don't think they'll be contending for playoffs personally, but I think even though they're going to lose matches, I think they'll be respectable. And that's more than you could say about other uh, expansion slots we have seen in the past. I think if you're comparing and contrasting what they're doing versus what Detroit is doing, it's fairly stark. And that Monterey, for me, is kind of following the Oakland model from last season, where you've got this very solid defensive core with Hugh Roberts, Kai Green, Sam Gleadle. I mean, that alone with Monterey is really three defenders with a proven track record at this level. And so what Oakland did was rely on that defense, knock a ton of long balls up to your Jeremy Bokillas, your uh, Quincy Ameriquas, who can hold up the ball, 
and kind of just try to generate some magic from there. Will it work for Monterey to get to the playoffs? I have my doubts. Compare that to Detroit, who is going to try to possess the ball and play a bright style, work it through a Maxi Rodriguez. That's hard to do when you're coming with a Nisa talent level. I think next season, Detroit is something that you really should look out for. But if you're just thinking about the framework that the two expansion teams are coming from, Monterey is kind of shortcutting it a little bit, where in the short term, they're going to be maybe a more consistently competitive team. But I just don't see the model for really great success for what they're doing if you're projecting it as trying to build an identity for this club. I will say, um, sorry, Ryan. Um, I think one person that's going to be underrated on this team, and I think for a lot of new USL fans, they only know him as the League One guy. But Dallas J is legit. He is the real deal. If you remember 2016 FC Cincinnati, he was a solid, solid keeper. Uh, he's a Guam international, fairly positive. But, I mean, he was he was stupid good in League One, way too good for League One. And you, I think a lot of people are going to be shocked about how good he is. Again, his numbers may not look good because while his defense in front of him is good, the midfield is – they're getting paid. <laughs> um, and if you lose the midfield battle, especially in the USL, you're going to have a bad time. Um, Ryan, what was up? Yeah, uh, I think with uh, Monterey Bay, they're really setting themselves up to be a team that's going to bunker in for a lot of games and just try and act defensively. And that's good ways to grind out points. But you've seen this in relegation battles all throughout Premier League history that, yeah, you could basically kind of try and bunker your way through a season, but it's not anything long sustainable. One player that, uh, just for old time's sakes, that I'm excited to see back within USL Championship is Christian Valeski, who was the yeah. front line, uh, just main driving force for that 2015 Rochester Rhinos team. He's one of the best of all time. I know he's been bouncing around USL and uh, has moved, did a season in Iceland, but it's good to see someone like him back in the league. Now, I'm not sure if that was a player that you would want to have. Basically leading your entire back line, you need to spread out the talent and have a bit more offense behind it. But yeah, I think uh, Monterey Bay is going to be a frustrating out for a lot of teams. They may get results, but it's going to basically be playing. It'd be like getting an out at Burnley just within a, a nicer weather condition. So let's, I, mean, I do want to say the popular answers for Wooden Spoon were the Las Vegas Lights and Loudon. Um I don't think anybody's shocked by those results. And the only other team I think might have a shout in my own personal predictions may be Red Bulls too, which what a fall from grace from that 2016 uh, Red Bulls team. Um, but that team was just stupid. If you haven't seen the roster for that 2016 Red Bulls team, just go look it up and marvel at the amount of money that team is worth. And then just look at the experiences they have because it is ridiculous. Um, something that was really interesting to me, I want to do supporter shield and supporters cup back to back or, or USL cup back to back because the results were very interesting. There was a three way tie for who was going to win the supporter shield, a three way tie for the amount of people that filled this out. Very shocking. Um, it is a three way tie between the rowdies Phoenix rising and Louisville city. 
um, pretty much all the names and faces that you expect. The USL Cup, the the team that is going to win the USL Cup, according to the fans, by an overwhelming 47% was the Tampa Bay Rowdies. So there was a three-way tie for uh, Shield, but almost half of the people that filled this out said the Rowdies were going to win it all. I I was shocked at that. I thought it would be another three-way tie. I thought that would be basically the same answers, but there's something about that play, those playoffs that just do something different. I'm very interested to hear what you guys think. And it was, uh, I believe, 2016 with New York Red Bulls, who was the last side to win, to do the double and get the regular season title and end up winning USL Cup. It's difficult to do if you ask any team. It's Especially when you get to that knockout nature of the playoffs, you could either storm your way into the USL Cup final or you could struggle and have a penalty shootout at the first round, and that just kind of derails all the momentum for the entire season. Sure. Yeah, up, I, I think well i mean just taking last season as an example i think it you know it kind of demonstrates ryan's point pretty starkly just in who we had in the final because we had tampa bay rowdies who were consistently one of the best team you know the best team in the east and they really did storm their way to the final and then a team that was really up and down all season and played just fully counterattacking playoff soccer, like they ended up actually winning the cup. So it's, it, it is almost impossible to predict like at this point in terms of winning the, the cup, I think, I mean, I think our, those, those teams that have been mentioned, like those in terms of winning the shield, I think, I think you're, you're going to see one of those teams like there or thereabouts for sure. Um, I think the I think the question marks are still like can a handful of these teams like get out of the blocks quickly enough to where and who's going to start really well um to like give themselves the basis to go and win a supporter shield um because there could be a team who emerges late in the season and you know storms their way to USL to the USL Cup final but uh may not actually be in the running for the shield because they've you know stumbled out of the gates found it tough to to find their feet so that's where i kind of have some um question marks just in terms of like teams that i still have i would say like high hopes for this season i think sacramento kind of falls into this where it's like just how quickly do they get going in terms of establishing some dominance like i think they're a big contender for usl cup but are they a contender for the shield like maybe not because they they may take a little bit more time to to kind of get going. Um, so that's the sort of stuff that uh, that makes these sorts of predictions really interesting. And when you think about the parity in the West, especially where there are, I mean, eight teams that I think are really in the heart of the playoff race, and then no one except probably Las Vegas is bad per se, like just straight up bad there's not an easy result in this conference. So if you are a Sacramento who's bringing in half of a new lineup, that's going to be an adjustment period. So yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. So then finally we asked for dark horses and this was a really interesting one. 
Um, partially because I see Legion up there, Homer. Um, but the two name or the two teams that really stick out on these results is Colorado. Um, I mean, they have Jeff Caldwell and Ajay Berry, and then everybody else is a freak in between. Uh, not too hard to see why they come to that result. But the trademark, um, Miami, getting a good chunk of results either without a single one of their fans voting. So there's a lot of people who are up on that roster, which I feel like we say every year, but I'm a little bit hesitant to give Miami the full, yes, they're going to do really well because it always feels like they do this and then they don't. (laughs) Are we calling Colorado Colorado Springs a dark horse at this point? Like the, it's like you're returning the winner. (laughs) Like, <laughs> that's like that's like saying that you know Marquette was was a dark horse to reach the final four with Dwayne Wade on the team like that you know like come on man like they were always gonna <laughs> I don't know like I feel like that's a cop-out guess for whoever whoever said that out in I mean I guess it's it's a dark horse because it's not your normal name and it's at this point where we got to see if Colorado Springs is the flash in the pan who puts together winning culture. Um, we'll see if they, it becomes a long lasting thing. Granted, it all has to be is this year, but it's so hard to pick against the Phoenix Risings, against the Tampa Bay's, the Louisville cities, against, you know, teams like that, you know, even like El Paso or even New Mexico has a sexier name out there in the Western Conference and Sac Republic, a sexier name. Then, you know, the switchbacks. I mean, last year they were fun to watch, but it was like, you know, what were we getting? And this year it's hard to say. I don't know. I think we go for it. I was going to say, I think what if we're going to pick like dark horse teams, and I think it's going to be more likely it would come out of the Eastern Conference of a team who just ends up with a favorable matchup. John, you had mentioned there are about eight teams that in the Western Conference that could legitimately win the conference or are very tough out. When there's only seven that can make the playoffs, there's going to be no easy task to get through, and it's going to likely take out teams who could have been that dark horse team. Whereas with uh, the Eastern Conference, I feel like if you find, say, maybe a Pittsburgh, who I think is could be a legitimate dark horse pick, it, they could very well find themselves with a favorable outing of just pairing in the playoffs to walk their way into a conference final if things line up properly. In my per- like Pitt- Pittsburgh was like the three seed, and then they added Dane Kelly. Like, I, I, they're too good for me to be a dark horse, whereas I feel like Someone like an FC Tulsa, who we talked about, like really improved the defense, brought back the core of their attack. I mean, the only change was essentially swapping Marlin for JJ Williams. That's a side where if you correct what was going on at the back, suddenly that's a threat and that's a team that could rise up. Um, We had a comment about New Mexico where they missed the playoffs entirely. Well, you add a Nico Brett, you've completely transformed the center of their midfield with uh, Seymour and Pertillo. They added Alexis Swahi from Louisville. Like every level of that team is better, and no one is talking about them. I mean, Christian Nava could be the Diego Luna of this season, just in terms of a young player breaking onto the scene. Like, and uh, kudos to the commenter on that one. Those to me feel like more kind of bona fide dark horses where they're just not in the discourse compared to like 
I think everyone knows Bob Lilly is going to put out a team that could easily just go on the run. And not to disrespect that as a pick because they're under discussed as well relative to your Tampa and your Louisville. But yeah. I do think that Dark Horse is mainly just whoever's the under discussed team. It's really yeah. just whoever's not the immediate favorite off the top of the head. I'm very interested in the San Antonio being the favorite because I. I, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, okay, can I just like, can I get my outside in? Do on it. Do it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this guy, he's like, no offense to what the work that no, he's done. This no, isn't a model that's built around the 500. Like this is a, a system that ranks 500, 600 teams across the globe. It's not optimized for picking what's going to happen in USL. So you get someone like a Kakuta Mane coming into San Antonio, who's going to be good but it reads that MLS track record and suddenly they're flying up the standings. Ditto for Didi Traore coming in with a little bit of European experience where, yeah, good signings. Those aren't game breakers in a way that suddenly boosts uh, a good but not great San Antonio team that's lost Epps and Gallegos to the top of the standings. Whereas I think, I mean, if you look at like the XGXA models that American Soccer Analysis puts out, there are people who are doing work that's designed around this league in particular. And it's a crapshoot no matter what with the numbers. But I think that like if you're putting everything that you believe in in terms of what Nate Silver's model that's optimized for the Premier League and the Champions League, you're probably barking up the wrong tree to begin with. You mean it wasn't accurate when uh, he had Real Monarchs ranked above Real Salt Lake and is all team ranking when a few years ago when uh real monarchs won the league and rso was having a crappy mls season that was a legitimate ranking <sighs> I mean, case in point yeah <laughs> um i'm I, so we can't you can't see him um uh, he's he came in he is currently in the uh, john morrissey green room i'm not gonna add him because he doesn't want to but alan is here he does exist he's viewing from afar um he looks like he wants to say something, but I don't know if I want to give him the gratification. Um, and here he is. There he is. <laughs> What's up, Alan? <laughs> oh, not much. Uh, I just got in. Uh, I'm setting up for a, I guess, like a monthly check-in with Nate Miller from San Diego. Uh, like a week, a monthly podcast where we ask get to ask him some questions and some tactics and so we're starting that tonight. Uh, I just got in. I did want to say hi to everyone, tell them how much I love them, and wish them, wish every one of your teams a good success uh, this first week. So I guess I'm wishing everyone a draw, so everyone's like equally unhappy. <laughs> I, I don't know. There's some good kits. There's some bad kits. There's some good games. There's some bad games, uh, and I can't wait to watch them and talk about them. So, uh, gentlemen, have a great rest of your evening. Uh, if you're listening, uh, we love you. Be safe. We didn't talk about San Diego at all. Well, we will because <laughs> in the show we are going to we're going to do our predictions. Um, this was running a little long, but this is also probably going to be one of our longest episodes because we're talking about predictions. I mean, we got to predict everything or something. Um, so we're going to go. Uh, we have ten matches that we have little predictions for. And they're going to be, we're just going to kind of go around um, and see what everybody thinks. First up, Battery versus Tulsa. 
Um, we'll start with Ryan. Draw. Phil? I I went with Tulsa on this one. Uh, John? I'm going to pull up my picks to double check, but I think I went Tulsa. Uh, and I picked a draw. We are going to have this on an Excel sheet, and there's going to be some kind of consequence for being bad um, at picking, which is probably going to be me. Um, so if you're picking with me, you're not bad. Not I mean, that's not great. Um, next up, switch bags versus o- switch backs. Switch bags. Why did I say that? Uh, versus OKC. Someone get me off a microphone. Ryan. I picked uh, the Colorado Springs switchbacks beating Orange County. Okay. Phil. Yeah, Colorado Springs. John? Well, so first round of the playoffs there. Yeah, that's what it was. Orange County beat the switchbacks, but we've got an improved Colorado Springs, so I'm going with a draw. Ooh, interesting. I went with switchbacks. Uh, San Antonio, uh, sorry, title favorite San Antonio FC <laughs> versus Detroit City. I'm going to go with the potential, uh, like I guess not upset pick, but I'll, I'll pick a draw on this one. I uh yeah, I went I went with San Antonio. Um getting the win. I think I think going down to Texas is a, a tough ask for, for Detroit in their inaugural match. And inaugural teams lose all the time, just to as Ryan pointed out previously. Yeah. Twenty eighteen was the last time it had happened, and shockingly it was Las Vegas. <laughs> that's so bad. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> oh the mighty balls. <laughs> San Antonio going away in that one. Um, and then I got a draw for this one. Uh, Republic versus El Paso might be the sneaky uh, match of the week, in my opinion. Yeah. Republic. <laughs> I went with a draw. <laughs> I went draw as well. I hope to be wrong. I went draw as well. Um, I know it's boring, but hey, that's yeah, soccer, right? climax here. <laughs> I a scoring draw to be fair. I think it's going to be like uh, I'd say it's one one probably. Listen, I don't get the name the fighting pacifist for nothing. <laughs> um, next up is Legion versus Rowdies. 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 Biasly, <laughs> I went draw. Um. <laughs> I just to defend myself a little bit, I also made this pick after talking to the guys from Unused Subs Pod, and I was fully on that we were going to lose. And the more I was talking to Daniel, I was like, "Oh my god, we might have a chance. It'll be like a one-one draw, and some stupid. That's our big chance." <laughs> well, you know, like you guys brought back everyone but Nico Brett. You've got Enzo Martinez and Marlon coming in. Anyone who's sleeping on the Legion at this point is making a mistake, so I wouldn't be shocked there. Yeah, it, it is Tampa Bay. I mean, to be fair, that's yeah. just kind of where I am. It's like, but it is Tampa. Um, next up is Rising versus Monterey. I pick Phoenix Rising for this one. And is there yeah. anything special about this one for you, Ryan? <laughs> We haven't talked about it much uh, in our previous picks, but I thought we each of us should at least pick one game that we should have as a lock this week, but I would lock in Phoenix Rising as my pick. Okay. Phil. Yeah, I've, I've got Phoenix winning because, again, debut sides, they don't they don't win. 
Phoenix by a lot, but I won't take the easier out on the lock here. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I also went Phoenix. Uh, next up, we got uh, got to get to it. We got Rio Grande Valley versus Oakland. A draw. Hmm. Uh, I had roots in this one. Um, actually, I'm gonna make. I'm actually gonna go out on a limb here and make this my lock because I'm. I don't think that highly of this RGV team. So. <laughs> See, I'm super low on what Oakland's done this offseason, so I'm taking RGV here. I will say I do like their the signing that they made today from uh, Tormenta. Um, hey, Tormenta has made some amazing moves, amazing moves this offseason. I do like the pickup they had today. So, um, yeah, that's, a, that's a, a playoff rematch as well. Good, a good shout there. I think. Um, I think I had I did have Oakland. Rio Grande, I just – the thing is that they've made signings, but I feel like they haven't had long enough to play together yet. So I just don't believe in the team they, they are. I think the team that they'll be at the end of the season is very different than the team that they'll be right now. But I have Oakland. Um, next up is Area Code versus Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. I picked Memphis. I think to be contrarian somewhat, but I, I picked Memphis to win this one. Memphis is sharp on the slide, but this has got to be Pittsburgh for me. Um, I also picked uh, Pittsburgh. I just need to see who the scoring option is going to be for 901 first because we just don't know, yeah. really. Um, next up is uh, Miami. Sorry, the Miami versus Baby Bulls. The Miami. Yeah, Miami by by a lot, probably. Yeah, Miami by all of the goals. <laughs> also, Miami. Uh, finally, Loyal versus Lostos. I'll back uh, San Diego for Allen's sake. <laughs> Loyal, yeah, for sure. San Diego, and I'll call this one my lock, actually. This one was my lock as well, and I said San Diego. But... I'm not necessarily happy with it being my lock because I forgot Preston Judd existed. And then suddenly I feel horrible about myself. Jorge Hernandez gone though. And um, they signed what Michael Salazar and Liam Doyle this week. So I was talking with Liam Doyle. In fact, both of them are training with the real galaxy and like going to be filling out the MLS bench. So even the decent players that they added aren't really real. I, I think this is going to be the worst New York and the worst LA that we see have seen in a long time. Which is and, so... And Los Dos lost their manager as well um, right. from last year. So, I'm, I'm yeah, it's it's a whole new world for a, you know, a team that's headed to MLS Next Pro anyways. So, I don't know that we'll see the best from these teams. Five, we're going to get to... Sorry, Do you think we're going to get it to a point in June where we're gonna when these teams are going to kind of like look around and say we should have been in MLS next? <laughs> we could. Everyone but Loudon, yeah. Um, you know, I I will say, uh, again, biased because he comes from the FC Cincy group. When it comes to the way he coaches young players, I am very high on Yohan Dame. I think that you're going to see him get a lot more out of this Los Dos team than you expect. I'm not saying they'll be good, 
but I think that you're going to see a lot of growth really fast out of the younger players. I think that they'll be more competitive than you think. Um, we're going to have an Excel sheet with who all had the best predictions, worst predictions, um, whatever. We'll we'll figure out how all that's going to work. Hope you guys were playing along at home. I'm sure we'll maybe put some out at some point. But uh, that was really it for this prediction show. I mean, if your team didn't get talked about, we didn't talk because there was a lot of teams to talk about, and we did get a chance to talk about everybody. We know that. Um, let us know. Uh, slide into those mentions. Slide into those DMs. Let us know. Let tell us tell us what we missed about your team. Who's the un- most underrated player on your squad? We would love to know. We I don't have time to watch everybody, even though I don't have a life. So like the more I can learn about the league, the happier I'll be. Um, don't forget we have three new shows starting up this week. Uh, two new uh, two new live streams per week. Um, a new kit show and away days vlog. And we saw you, Christos. Um, we will eventually be getting into League Two, so be on the lookout about that. Um, some final words, Ryan. I saw the Batman over the weekend, which I thought was uh, pretty good. Um, I really liked its depiction of Gotham; that it truly felt like Gotham. Like there was a tweet they had over the weekend, and after seeing that, someone said, "It's like if you think about it, Christopher Nolan's films, it, Gotham was basically I don't know, it's Chicago, but." Like this truly felt like it had the character to it. I thought Pattinson did very well in the role. And Zoe Kravitz might be my favorite depiction of Catwoman on screen in to date. Phil. Yeah, just uh I don't have uh many non-soccer thoughts, I guess, at the moment. I uh I am just super excited for this weekend to kick off. And and I'm also uh this is the life of a East coast or an eastern time zone person watching a west coast team um el paso's game against sac republic kicks off at 10 p.m local time so just really excited for you know usl after dark out here in ohio Uh, welcome to the club (laughs) exactly john Um, yeah i as usual absolutely refuse to make this soccer relevant so um I stayed up till about four in the morning watching Drive My Car, which is the Japanese language best picture nom, three hours long. Fantastic film, should take the award, hits all the emotional beats, treats you with respect as a viewer. In not, like It's a very show-don't-tell, contemplative sort of movie, beautifully shot. Check that thing out, HBO Max. Worth staying up till 4 a.m. for? I'm tired. <laughs> fair enough um so my final thoughts were so small thing for me uh today uh basically in the music like conservatory world you get in front of your peers and you play for them and they give you a bunch of feedback the most uh, nerve-wracking thing of all freaking time because people who you respect are criticizing you it's great um i did that for the last time today um, because this was my last performance. So it was a little bit of sad. So I was like, dang, this is crazy. Like I'm actually growing up and I have to do real things now. This is weird. Um, but in the same music world, um, I will be going to Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, the state known of the fighting Ryans. Um, and on the way, there's a chance that I'll be stopping in Greenville and visiting geo. So there's a chance that we'll have our first, uh, 
USL show-esque reunion. So we'll see. That's uh, very exciting stuff. Very excited to get out to North Carolina. Um, the mountains are pretty. So, um, Ryan, before we go, how was that North Carolina – or how was the Carolina match, by the way? It was a lot of fun. It was uh, cool sitting in the upper deck. Um, the game wasn't too much to write home about for the team itself. The Glazo from uh, LA Galaxy was a really good time, but it was just more the event that uh, – just being there in Charlotte, I was able to meet a lot of friends that I had only met online to actually see them finally in person and just being there with the atmosphere and the crowd. I saw so many people around town wearing like Charlotte FC stuff. So I, I would say it was a good time. I was glad that I was able to go. Good to hear. Well, thank you everybody for watching. Thank you for everybody who's listening later on, you know, for all the people who can't get into the live chat, life happens. We get it. Um, you know, follow all the guys that are on this show. Um, we'll be promoting a lot of stuff on Twitter. Um, go follow all of them. They all have amazing takes. And all these guys are some of the hardest working people you're going to find in the USL. Support these guys. And uh, thank you guys so much for watching the USL show. Thank you for watching another episode of the USL show. This and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find podcasts and other written work at bgn.fm. Once again, thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you guys again next week.